And we're back. Welcome to Line Noise. Welcome. It's been a long while. Hopefully you're still there and healthy and well and everything. We're still here in Barcelona in the uh, in the newly declared Republic of Catalonia. In in the new studio. In the new uh, studio. The that's moved house. It, I just, don't, don't reveal the magic. It's a, <laughs> it's a studio. Uh, a, a palace. I'm Philip Sherburn. And I'm Ben Cardew. And uh, we're, we're back. It's been about five months. Um, life got in the way. Yeah. Summer, moving house. Children. Stuff. Yes, children. Deadlines. Yeah. But the world of electronic music has kept uh, bumping on. And so we're, we're here to play a little bit of catch up. Um, ben, the, the first thing on the menu today, you wanted to talk about remixes. I do, um, because there's a brilliant new album, uh, well, partially brilliant new album, um, that's just been released, uh, which is a remix of a uh, remix album of Funkadelic. It's called Funkadelic Reworked by Detroiters, in which uh, various Funkadelic, uh, sorry, various Detroit uh, electronic music artists remix Funkadelic, uh, as do uh, Detroit rock band Dirt Bombs, but I don't think we need to worry about that because it's a bit. Uh, rubbish, and it got me. Th- it got me thinking about remixes and the remix album, and uh, a number of different things, including generally what is the point of remixes? Um, and and did you? I mean, did you come up with a, an answer? Well, to, to take it back one step, uh, when I started off, when I first heard about this album, I thought, great, you know, I love Funkadelic, and the people they got to remix it seemed really a really strong lineup. I mean, it's like Underground Resistance and Moody Man and Andreas and people like that. And then I thought, hmm, actually, I don't know. Because Funkadelic don't seem that easy to remix. And mm. also, let's face it, the remix album does not have a long and illustrious history. And when I when I listened to the first track, which is uh, a remix by Recluse, I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not too sure how this is going. And then it kind of won me over. And I've I've been flipping between it ever since because it's good, but there's a few tracks that it's very varied in the way they, re- they remix it. And it seems to me it's almost like an example of the different ways in which you can remix something. Like there are some that kind of just take loops, and there are some that are very faithful that I'd almost call more re-edits. And there are some that totally change it. And it's very interesting to see all the different approaches uh, coming into play. It's the the, the remix album, I, I have to say, I've, I'm not a big fan of the remix album. I love a good remix, but an entire album of remixes of one artist's work um, has never really appealed to me, and in part, I think it is that that sense of being that variation. Um, I mean, if I if I want to listen to a given artist, I'm going to put on their records. I'm I'm not even a big fan of greatest hits collections. You know, I like the album. I like the the statement that is behind the album. And even when we were talking about about this topic, I was having trouble even coming up with remix albums that have stuck with me over the years. The one, the main one that comes to mind is uh, Massive Attacks, no, protect, no Protection. But that's an outlier because that's really, that's a dub album dubbed out by one person, by, by um, Mad Professor. Whereas, whereas we're talking about, um, you know, when you take one artist and uh, a dozen different remixers line up to kind of have a go at tracks from their catalog or sometimes just tracks from one album. I think the reason that No Protection works so well is the reason that most 
good remix albums work so well in that it has a theme. I mean, you're letting mm-hmm. one person loose upon an album. Uh, and it's someone who's got a connection with it. You know, it's someone from the world of reggae who, uh, and obviously Massive Attack from the world of reggae. I mean, I'm also thinking of uh, Pet Shop Boys' disco albums, which are remix albums in a sense, but they kind of remix themselves, if you see right. what I mean, which is another way, uh, another way of doing it. Human League did that with the Love Unlimited Orchestra. The Right. Yeah. And that, I think, works. If you've got like a strong overarching concept, it works. But the problem is so often they don't, you know? So often it feels like, a cash-in or, oh, we've got these remixes, what are we going to do with them, or a contractual obligation. Um, and it just ends up sounding like this real hodgepodge of, of mixes, hodgepodge of music that you can't listen to in one sitting, and maybe you can cherry-pick from it, but it's just, well, what's the point? Yeah, it seems, to, they feel to me like the the ideal sort of remix project is maybe for remixers on you know a 12 inch or or a double pack or something like that but that's really it's for DJs i mean the yeah it's it's the idea of sitting down and listening to to an entire set i mean what are some of the remix albums that have that i've even listened to over there there was one of vermont a couple of years ago that i think was fine but literally none of it sticks with me there was um the prince thomas's recent album um uh, I can't think of the name of it now. There was a Villalobos. I think there were a pair of Villalobos mixes on there. And, and, and that was all right. There were some good things on there. Um, I think because most of the remixers, as I recall, sort of, it was sort of an ambient techno cosmic album. And they sort of stuck to that theme and, and did different variations on that theme. But again, I'm, I'm not really going to sit down and just listen to it. And talking of Prince Thomas, one of my favorite albums of this year is his remix of Dungen, uh, Hawkson. Ah. Um, which again is one remixer taking on an album, and I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's it's a lot better than the original, which I thought was a little bit dull, <laughs> to be frank. And I love doing it; I just didn't particularly like that album. Again, but um, in terms of a collection of remixes by other people, I mean, even that Prince Thomas, him getting his album remixed. Um, I must confess, I cherry picked tracks off that. I, I think there was the hieroglyphic being remixes, the all possibly. Mm. There was the Lobos. And I think I downloaded them and not the rest of it. I remember probably 20 years ago now, there was a nice Two Lone Swordsman remix album, Tiny Reminders, I think. that. But but again, the only one that stuck with me was the Villalobos one. Everything else, I, I don't even, there was maybe a Sutek one. I have no idea. You know, it's like they're they're all sort of lost to the dustbin of my of my brain. And what, what, go on, please. What are, what... What do you look for in a remix? And what makes you feel like a remix is is successful? A remix is successful. For me, I prefer generally remixes that keep something of the original tune, that don't just throw it all out. I mean, there was a big uh, trend, particularly in the 90s, that a lot of people would get um, electronic artists, often IDM artists, to remix them, and it sounded nothing like the original. And sometimes it was very good good music. I think some of those Aphex Twin remixes um, didn't sound anything like the original. Like he did a remix of Jesus Jones, uh, which awful original track, brilliant remix, but it sounds nothing like the the original. I mean, well, there's isn't like the legend there that he that the the remix was due and he just grabbed the nearest dat tape and stuck it in an envelope and sent it in and that's what became quote unquote the remix. That was Lemonheads. Okay. 
but ah, but 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 Aphex Twin and Lemonade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was around. I mean, and it was around that time. And I think the reason <laughs> that he could he thought he could get away with it was because he did a lot of remixes that didn't sound anything <laughs> like anything like the original. Um, funnily enough, I was I've been listening a lot this year to a remix from uh, twenty years ago, um, and that makes me think is one of the sort of definitive remixes. Uh, shall I say ever? Why not? Which is um, the Deep Dish remix of Rolling Stone's Saint of Me. Uh, and the reason I started listening to it was because um, I went to see the Rolling Stones recently. And uh, do you remember when, when David Bowie died? We were talking about like what good remixes there were of David Bowie. And I thought, actually, what good remixes there of the Rolling Stones? Thinking there probably wouldn't be any particularly good ones. And this is such a good remix. Like It actually sounds like um, how the Rolling Stones should... I mean, it still sounds very fresh today, but it certainly sounds like a perfect uh, synthesis of 90s House and the Rolling Stones. You know, it sounds so much better than the original track, and it doesn't sound just pasted on or bolted on. It actually sounds like they, that they've used the elements of the song, like there's this organ in the song they use really well. And I think that's, that's almost like the perfect remix in that it takes what the Rolling Stones do it puts it in another context where it works really well but without throwing it away mm-hmm. where you can actually say this is another version of this song you know actually a remix it's not even really a remix album necessarily but but i have nothing but love for all of the blaze lovely day remixes and i've got pretty much every single one of those records and and almost all of the remixes are great i mean they're they're also different you've got the friends experiment remix which is kind of more minimal techno um, you've got the Carl Craig, which is kind of canonical, the Beloved Surge mix. Um, there's a low, low Soul remix. But all of those take, and none of them none of them sound radically, I mean, they all preserve something of the original track, but they're all totally distinct. Do you think that there are some acts that are almost unremixable? The reason, reason I ask this is because um, to take one example uh daft punk there are so few good remixes of daft punk when they started out like around their first album there are about five good remixes and since then there have been i'm gonna say none and there have been some awful remixes of daft punk like really stinking terrible (laughs) and daft punk have had two remix albums neither of which I would, I would uh, cross the... <laughs> well, no, <laughs> no, absolutely, I would not recommend them. And it made me wonder why. Like, are people a bit too reverential? Or is it just that Daft Punk do what they do so well? There's not, like, unused elements. There's not, like, elements they don't make the most of, you know, that you can exploit. Yeah, and I suppose th- the further they get in their career, with the exception of this last album, the, the you know, the live disco instrumentals album... Um, they were kind of making edits themselves, right? I mean, Robot Rock, all of those tunes are essentially like a disco edit or a loop of a break. And so to remix that, you're then really whittling down, you know, pretty... I I don't know. I mean, I can imagine somebody doing something interesting with some of those tracks. Um, But why haven't they? I mean, it's not like they haven't got good remixes in. Yeah, I mean, maybe Daft Punk is one of those things where you have to really think about the the role of the industry and management and kind of what the expectations around Daft Punk are and everything they do for a long time has been an event and they're not going to just give somebody the keys and kind of let them let them have their way with it. 
But then again, I mean, the acts that they use, a lot of them, um, are quite upcoming acts, and it seems like a, a, a really, certainly um, around the sort of uh, their early albums, you know, not so much the first maybe, but around the second, they, they let a lot of sort of uh, up-and-coming French acts remix them, and that didn't work. And then, the, have you ever heard Tron Legacy reconfigured? I mean, I probably had to at some <laughs> point, but I blocked it. <laughs> <laughs> too traumatic there's, there's a there's a dead mouse remix on that right and uh, there's probably uh, there's definitely an avici remix on there yeah i think there's a tiesto one could be could be i, I mean it, it's just it, it's it's terrible and yeah. their former manager pedro winter said it was terrible and you wow. know things are getting bad when <laughs> when the, their former manager presumably very loyal just says well it's that's like a disney property right i mean when you're remixing tron when you're soundtracking and then remixing Tron, that's a Disney. I mean, that's a whole other weird topic is like remixes of Disney intellectual property. There's like um, an Armin Van Buren remix of the Frozen. It's the big Frozen hit. Yeah. Let It Go or whatever. Yeah. 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 You know it's called Let It Go. You've got to try. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's only two and a half. We haven't gotten there yet. Oh, you lucky um, you. But yeah, I mean, there there's like... Yeah, there are official, legitimate, like you can go to Beatport now and buy them remixes of the Frozen soundtrack. Should I? I, I mean, I don't know. It depends on how much you like Frozen, I guess. <laughs> Not that much. <laughs> but th- this sort of brings me back to, to Funkadelic, in that maybe they're uh, one of those bands that are almost too uh, exalted to remix. Like... yeah. Again, as I said, a lot of this album does work, but it did worry me, like because they're they're sort of a legendary band, and I think maybe that cramps people's style. And they're not. I mean, maybe they're not necessarily. Their music's a little complex to be boiled down, you know, to be quantized and and looped. And I mean, there are ways to do that, of course. That you know, there's a whole a whole tradition of of disco edits that do precisely that, but. I think you're kind of courting disaster in some ways. I mean, it helps that they've got the Detroiters doing it. I mean, certainly Andres is somebody who, who, who knows how to approach, um, who knows how to approach funk and soul and things that aren't just another house track. Um, it's it's funny because Andres, um, like he did one of the great remixes of um, Michael Jackson, who's somebody who, I mean, there were lots of industry remixes at the time, but of course you're not going to find a lot of underground artists remixing Michael Jackson just because of who he is in the industry. But there's a great uh, Andres remix that came out on one of his own labels. It's a bootleg. Uh, it's We Rock On. And uh, it's a Rock With You remix. And it's and it's brilliant. I, I heard it for the first time in one of Andres' own DJ sets and I chased it down on Discogs. And it, it works just because it's, it's just the hook over you know one of his grooves and um it's very simple it's the kind of thing that would work beautifully in a club because it's that that recognition thing you know you hear it kind of mixing in and you're like wait is that really is that really michael oh my god it's michael jackson funny you should mention that do you know uh the best-selling remix album in history uh are is it is it going to be michael jackson yes uh, (laughs) blood on the dance floor his story in the mix which has sold uh I think it's six million copies worldwide. That's not bad. Um, and it's quite an interesting lineup, actually, because uh, you do get the sort of R. Kelly and people like that doing remixes. But there's also uh, a, there's 
Fire Island, Terry Farley and uh, Pete Heller do oh a wow. remix, wow. which is quite uh, quite surprising in a way. I mean, I, nothing nothing against them, but maybe I wouldn't expect them to be remixing Michael Jackson. Yeah, no, the biggest no. remix album in, in in history. Obviously, it worked because it sold lots of copies. funny because having this conversation just now I actually realized one of the very first electronic albums I ever bought was a remix album and it was Music Remixes the Auteurs. Was that because you're an Auteurs fan? Or? No, it was a mistake. It was I was in the record store in Providence where I bought all of my early stuff and I'm pretty sure he was playing Aphex Twin, probably selected Ambient Works Volume 2 and I was like, this is amazing, I must have it, what's playing? And the record store owner, who was kind of spacey, I mean, I, I love him to death, but he was a little spacey. I, I think he just like looked at the wrong record cover. It was like, oh, it's this. It's Music Remixes, The Auteurs. And I was like, I'll buy it. You know, and $18 later, I got it home. Uh, have you heard that record? Ages ago. It's Ages really ago. dissonant and harsh. And it's, I mean, it's kind of like, it's really, yeah. It's like kind of the beats are squealy, like Ventolin a little bit. And then the bits that he used from the auteurs are really, yeah, they're kind of out of key with the electronics and it's hard to listen to. I've gone back to it, I don't know how many times over the years, like surely this time I'll get it and just never, never did. And But yeah, that was like my first kind of quote unquote electronic record ever, strangely enough. And this is a good example of what I was talking about, the 90s trend that you would get people in into remix random bands. I mean, do the, I love the auteurs. I've got a, I certainly never pass. investigated them after that. <laughs> no, they're, <laughs> no. Not. they're quite good. I saw them um, supporting Swade. As like a marketing exercise, it failed drastically because I was like, I never want to hear them again. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not a kind of band that, in my mind, needs remixing. No, it ever. doesn't lend itself to it. And if they did need remixing, I wouldn't get music into it much as I like music. You know, it's like a combination of two acts that I like in, in a way that I don't. And then on the other hand, you had like Saint Etienne, who Masters of Work gave them kind of one of the great remixes of all time, right? Well, I've been wondering if maybe the art of the remix is in decline. Because when I think of a lot of my favorite sort of career-defining remixes, a lot of them are from the 90s. Uh, things like that Masters of Work, in which they, they totally remade the song. Um, they made it something far better they massively improved it i mean one of my favorite remixes is Armand van helden who uh i think has the art of actually using unusual bits of the original song in a funny way well in a clever way in a way that makes you want to makes you want to dance and for example his sort of famous take on on tori amos which i think i'm always going on about manages to make a tori amos song into a dance floor classic without throwing it all out i mean it's like oh yeah actually there's this bit from a tori amos song you are using it but you've turned it into a, a really great piece of house music and i was trying to think maybe that's just sort of rose-tinted spectacles but what sort of brilliant career transforming remixes have there been of late 
I can't think of many. I don't know if I can think I of any. I mean, it's, it's, in some ways, it's a hard question because I think I, like, if it's a great track, it's a great track, and I don't necessarily, my first thinking, my, my, my first thought isn't necessarily whether or not it's a remix. Um, but sometimes it's obvious. I mean, yeah. sometimes it's obvious that it's the remix that has, if not, I'm not necessarily saying made it, better because i'm sure there's lots of tori amos fans um and i quite like tori amos she's that but it's made it something totally different and i think in that particular instant the kind of instance i'm thinking of it's very obvious that 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 is a remix and i don't think you for me anyway that's how i would think of it i i would even the first time I'm listening to it, I'd be thinking, "How has he done this? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. what's the what's the original like?" Well, for instance, there's the the one of my favorite tracks ever is the "Mood to Swing" remix of um, Crustaceans' "Flame," right? And that's a track that's so "Mood to Swing." I mean, "Mood to Swing" remixed everybody, and yeah. and usually, you know, they were famous for doing multiple versions and dubs, and they obviously. You know, they really wanted to try every kind of possible set of permutations of, of the elements of each track, and they would deliver kind of a straighter, more mainstream commercial track, and then they would do a set of dubs. But the Crustacean remix is the one where it's really... And I'm sure that I've gone back and I've listened to the original, but honestly, I couldn't tell you how it sounds because that remix itself is just so sort of self-sufficient. It's, it's a perfect track. And it's and it's entirely about mood to swing and and what they do, you know. Um, it just completely sort of eclipses the original in that sense. I think one thing I like about mood to swing is I think they come from that very American tradition of you do a lot of remixes for the dance floor, you know, like kind of a master at work. Even going back to the original sort of disco edits, that there's this real history of you get a remix commission, you know you are doing it so it can work on the dark kind of dance floors where you are DJing. Mm-hmm. And I think Mood Swing do that. You know what you're going to get from Mood Swing remix. They're going to put those Mood Swing drums on it, you know, the keyboards, yeah. that kind of thing. All Pretty much all Mood Swing remixes, I'm sure there's some that are a bit different, but they sound quite similar. And that is in no way a criticism because they, they Mood to Swing it. You know, right, they right, do, right. Um, they do what they do. It's like MK. I was just going to say MK. Exactly. Which over like 30 years or whatever it's been, I think is it's gotten a little, a little less fresh perhaps, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, he has the same kind of thing. It's like, I'm going to put an M1 organ on there and some stonking drums and you're going to get a a dance floor cut out of it. Or Todd Edwards is another one who does the same. Well, actually he used to always pretty much do the same thing, cut it up like skippy kind of drums and more recently, he's got into more sort of disco-y remixes, and I'm, I don't like them quite as much, which is a bit harsh, because I don't want him to just continue doing the same thing, I'm sure. Uh, and he's very good at making these kind of disco remixes, but it's just not... Whereas his the remixes where he cut everything up were fantastic. It was really what one of the things he was best at. Now, they're good, you know, but... You know who I'm always interested to see a remix from these days is DJ Kotze. Yeah. Um, and, and he's interesting too, because he's actually somebody that's done enough of them that he's put out, I think two volumes of compilations of his own remix work because he's somebody who's faithful ish to the original, but he always brings his own 
signature. I think his remix of, of Herbert's It's Only is like the best song in Herbert's catalog at this point. Um, he's always got an interesting spin. He's got his quirk. Um, Pe- Pepe Braddock, kind of the same thing, although he hasn't been nearly as active on the remix front in like a decade. I don't know what happened there. Um, for a while, he was he was super reliable. Exactly. And you knew, you kind of knew what you were going to get, even though everyone was still at, uh, a little bit strange, little bit unexpected, if that makes sense, yeah, because that's yeah. it. That's his kind of style. Um, in fact, the opposite of it, the, uh, the remix album concept, which is sort of albums of remixes by one producer, those I really like. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of space for those because they tend to sound a bit more coherent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? I mean, if if it's a remixer who's really making the production theirs every time. Yeah, and yeah. there's that Pepe Braddock remix album. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, that's a great album, you know, and particularly given how hard it can be to get your hands on his music. That's right. like almost one of the best ways right. to listen to him. Um, I mean, Carl Craig for a while was somebody similar, you know, like absolutely like every, all of his remixes kind of sounded the same in a way, used the same kind of techniques and tactics and sounds, but they were, you know, the Junior Boys remix, the obviously the Theo Parrish remix, um, Poor People Must Work for Rhythm and Sound. Um, I mean, every single one of those is a, is a classic. I, I think in some ways, Carl Craig's remixes come close to eclipsing his own productions a little bit. Carl Craig, I think, is one of the best remixes there has ever been. And I think a few of his remixes are among uh, my favorite his songs. Um, there's one, uh, and I, there's no particular reason for saying this other than I really want to recommend. Have you ever heard his Incognito remix? I mean, I, I must have, but it doesn't come to mind right now. Good Lord. It's Incognito, Out of the Storm, Cole Craig's Planet E remix, I think. And Oh, it's brilliant. It's such good. I mean, Incognito, I don't have all that much, that right? But sure, this sure. is such a brilliant remix, just stripping it right back down and, and, build, and then building up and adding his own drums and focusing on small elements. It's really brilliant remix. to be a good remixer you've remixed people yeah i have i have um and i always liked it in some ways because it removed some of the creative i mean it's a little like as a writer when you're editing somebody else you're taking their raw material and you're just hopefully polishing it and making a little bit better um it's not necessary. I mean, it can also be totally different because you might be totally reworking, um, rearranging, and restructuring, yeah. and everything. Um, I, I think what what is enjoyable about making a remix is that you're given the raw material. It's like you've just been given a sound bank and yeah. go to town on it, you know. And and I always enjoyed that because like the hurdle was kind of the the with your own music, you start with a blank piece of paper, and it's like what do I do? You know, and with a remix, you just kind of start rearranging things, you know, and, and like listen to, it and it's like, does this sound too similar to the original? Yeah. Okay. Keep changing. You know, it's, I yeah. don't know. You just kind of follow your own, your own lead. Um, 
I mean, I think to be a good remixer is in some ways the same as to be a good producer is just to have a strong vision for what you want your music to sound like. Um, that That's also because I like remixers that have, I like a remix to sound like their own work. I like hearing something being like, oh, that's definitely a Carl Craig remix, if it, even if I don't know what the original is. Ben, to bring it back to the Funkadelic remix album, which uh, which tracks off that do you do you recommend? Uh, there's a few, so I'm gonna go for. There's a track called "Undisco Kid," uh, remixed by someone called Gay Marvin. I have absolutely no idea who that is. In fact, it's he calls it an edit uh, rather than a remix, and it does a really good job, I think, of taking the original track, not one of the the sort of their better known tracks particularly, and just making it a little bit more dance floor friendly you know just by kind of cutting a few elements maybe straightening out a little bit not losing that um losing the what makes funkadelic so special that losing that kind of random edge but just doing enough that if you were djing you could you know djing out you could play it i think that's one i really like um and probably my favorite is the underground resistance mix of music for my mother uh where they don't do what you expect at all they because you'd expect underground resistance well you're probably going to be a bit uh techno um and they don't they kind of make this quite slow number with this really metallic breakbeat and it's really powerful and it kind of uses the sort of music um the musical power of techno in a way the kind of metallic power but without using a techno tempo or a tempo or anything like that and it's a really great example it's the, uh, the best thing off the album i know you said to uh to ignore the dirt bombs remix okay. on there uh have you ever heard the dirt bombs the the remixes of the dirt bombs detroit techno covers Hang on, the remixes of their covers? Yes. No, I have not. So the Dirt Bombs, Detroit kind of garage rock yeah. band, right? So they uh, they covered Sharavari, Jaguar, and Bug in the Bass Bin. Okay. And maybe some other stuff too. That doesn't sound like a good idea. But then, <laughs> but wait, there's more. Omar S, Ectomorph, and Kyle Hall remixed their covers. And those are awesome. It's Omar S. remixing their Sharavari, Ectomorph remixing their Jaguar, and Kyle Hall remixing their Bug in the Bass Bin. Um, This was back in 2010. The label was Scion Audiovisual, which was that car company that was a sub-brand of Toyota. Doesn't that mean it's it's available for free? Yeah. I mean, I don't think Scion even exists anymore. So um, it was... I'm looking at Discogs here, and it was actually a 12-inch... Um, ten for sale for five euros, so it's it's out there. Um, but but yeah, those were actually really cool. Um, in my memory, it was the OMRS that I liked the most, but I would need to return to them. But but you know what? That's a really good concept. You know, I think it's quite it's quite clever. It's almost quite funny. It's like okay, well, we're gonna get a Detroit rock band in to do these classic covers, classic covers of classic Detroit techno. And then we're going to get some t- techno people to remix it, like new wave kind of Detroit techno people. And that, it's it's got a purpose, you right. know? It's not like, well, all right, let's get Todd Terrin to remix it just because we fancy it. You know, it's actually got a purpose. It's like got a thematic link. So while I haven't heard any of them, 
um, and I, I was a little bit concerned when when <laughs> the the concert first came out. I'm I'm fully on board. Well, let's take let's take a listen to one of those right now, just just for the the heck of it. The OMRS. Yeah, remix? let's do it. So it's time for recommendations. Ben, what do you have for us this week? I've been listening a great deal um, to a new record by Joe. I'm sorry, who? Joe. Who? Yes. Joe <laughs> uh, on uh, Hessel Audio. And uh, I knew zero about oh, him. Oh, Joe 43. As Discogs would have him, yes. Uh, I, I knew nothing about him. I still know nothing about him. He's an utter mystery uh, to me. And I think he's a mystery to quite a lot of people. And probably if this had not been on Hessel Audio, I would not have listened to it. But it's a great song. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, it's called Tail Lift. A two-track release, Tail Lift and MPH. And it's one of those tracks um, where you start listening to it and you think, well, this is pretty sort of standard. And then it just starts going a little bit weird and just almost like it's melting a little bit and just going a little bit off track. And it just gets weirder and weirder, but still has a really good groove to it for want of a better word and I love songs like that that just start to disintegrate you know still keeping it together but like elements of it disintegrate and there's like weird effects and that kind of thing it's house basically um, but it uses lots of strange samples and lots of uh, it, it's very experimental but it's very happy and it's very summery you know, a lot of experimental music, like th there's different ways to be experimental. And I think a lot of experimental music gets kind of tagged as, oh, it's not very listenable or it's, you know, more interesting. But this is, it's very experimental, but in a way that's very danceable and very listenable, for want of a better word. Well, let's, uh, let's take a listen to it and, uh, and we'll talk about it more after, after a few bars. <laughs> What I love about that tune is how, I mean, a, a ton of things, but it's so Latin. I mean, it's like, it's got that swing, it's got kind of steel pans in there, it's got whistles, it's got a little cuica. Yeah, it's wonderfully vibrant, isn't it? You know, um, I was just reading what someone was saying about him on Discogs, and it said, if you're playing uh, Notting Hill Carnival, make sure you've got lots of Joe in your <laughs> uh, record bag, which... I can only agree with. So we don't know who he is, right? I, I certainly don't know. It seems to be anonymous. I mean, the name is pretty much designed for anonymity, isn't anonymous. it? You know, I mean, Joe. There's a picture on uh, Discogs, but it's some bloke in the shadow. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, couldn't, I wouldn't recognize him. Is it him. Burial? Uh, oh, is it Fatboy Slim? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I was surprised to realize that he's, I've got Joe tracks going back to at least 2009. So, I mean, that's eight years now. He's been doing this for, for a while. Yeah. I mean, I guess, uh, he, it must be one of those sort of producers that, that, um, just sort of does it not for a living or anything, just kind of makes a lot of music by himself. Doesn't care if anyone knows who he is, releases it when he's ready or when, 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 you know, people want, want something and just doesn't worry at all about. Or it's a side project of somebody else. Possibly. just don't know. Yeah. What I like about his stuff, I mean, one of the things is that all of his, his stuff is very different. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily, you could listen to three tracks by him and you wouldn't have this, you wouldn't know that it's all the same person. But at the same time, there's there are certain hallmarks uh, that kind of carry across. There's a real strange sensibility to them. There's this one track I, I love from a couple of years ago, I think four years ago, called Punter's Step Out. And it's got this kind of carnival-esque organ to it. It's kind of what you were saying, the sound of like disintegration. Yeah. Um, this sort of melting, drunken. It's just like an 808 rimshot beat with this drunken organ. And then there's kind of a sound of like a, an amplifier with, with a spring reverb being kicked every now and then. And then about a third of the way through the tune, there's a moment of just this buzz that sounds like a patch cable has been kind of half yanked out. <laughs> so that if you're in the club, it sounds like there's been some horrible technical mishap. And then it just kicks back in normally enough. And it's it's hilarious. It's such a funny moment. Well, it reminds me a little bit. Do you remember that DJ Falcon tune, Honeymoon? Uh, no. it's uh it was a roulette release and uh it's got about <laughs> halfway through it's got the sound of you know when a mobile phone uh as i don't know what's happened to technology but it used to be if you put a mobile phone next to your your speakers, speakers and someone yeah. someone called you that that noise happened right, right. it's got that about nice. three minutes in it's just nice. it's just brilliant you can just imagine it sending everyone running for their mobile phone <laughs> <And> <laughs> just kind of funny and and it's the same kind of thing you know the same kind of it's it's funny. You yeah, know. exactly. And why yeah. can't it be, you know, why can't electronic music be funny sometimes? Well, maybe that makes a good lead into to my pick for this week. And what is that? Uh, so I've got uh, a tune or maybe two tunes by Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Not Aerosmith, Aerosmith. If only it was Aerosmith. Yeah. We, yeah. I mean, we could listen to some Aerosmith if <laughs> yeah. you want. Dream on, dream on. I, do you know I said that and I don't really know any Aerosmith. <laughs> you didn't grow up in Portland, Oregon listening to classic rock radio. No. Did they do Love in an Elevator? Or was that Kiss? Hold on. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Live yeah, like that while I'm going down. <laughs> That's a great song. <laughs> um, so this is Aerosmith. Uh, Eric Wiegand, Wiegand from uh, Berlin. One half of Smith & Hack. One half of MMM. He's been doing his thing for 20 odd years now. Um, I saw Smith and Hack play probably 10 or 15 years ago and they were great. They did, um, kind of like live disco looping edit type of stuff. Very energetic, very, um, kinetic and his, so this is his first album in like 13 years. Um, he's been doing other stuff. He's done some EPs. He's done some remixes. He did a record with Mark Fell a couple years ago. Um, Mostly in the last few years, he's been working as a designer for Native Instruments. He developed a synthesizer called uh, Razor, which is, it's a soft synth. It's $99 or 99 euros. Um, it's additive synthesis. And I don't entirely understand what that means, but basically it has 320 sine waves. 
And instead of choosing an oscillator, like I want a sine or a sawtooth or a triangle or a square wave, you have 320 sine waves and you stack them up. And depending on how you stack them, that creates this just monstrous, massive right. buzzing sound. Um, and it's, yeah, it's very well regarded. It's, um, it's very powerful. It's very loud. Uh, and he, this, his new album, which is called Superlative Fatigue, is made pretty much 100% with, uh, with a razor. There are two songs that have an 808 on it. Um, I mean, in part, it's a showcase of this amazing synth. Uh, I, I just reviewed the record and I described it as kind of a combination of like uh, an ice cream headache and a fork in an electrical socket. I mean, it's just like a jolt. But like in, a good, way, right? but in that, a good way, But in a good way, but in a good way. But what really makes it is like he's... Well, we'll take a listen to the, to the track in, in just a moment, but it's very driven by dance hall. He's a techno guy, basically, mm. but almost all of the rhythms on the record are, are driven by kind of a dembo rhythm. They're this like fast, syncopated, um, kind of unhinged rhythm, basically just a very rudimentary drum beat with his synthesizer leads, these unhinged synth leads over the top. Um my two favorites are Lightspeed and My Party, the, the opening and closing tracks. And both of them, he's using the synth essentially as a vocoder. And so it's got this weird vocal effect. Let's just briefly listen to, to one of them and we can talk a little more. Which one? Uh, Lightspeed, the, the, okay. the opener. And, and then we'll, we'll chat a little more. So that was Lightspeed by Error Smith. Error Smith. <laughs> it's hard to know how to say that. Uh, I think that's a great piece of music. Um, we were just talking about how uh, experimental music and experimental ex- electronic music can be a lot of fun, and that's a really good example of it because it's, it's sort of it's a very fun piece of music without being sort of overly simplistic. You right. know, it's experimental it's clever uh but you could really dance to it in fact you know who it reminds me of who's that yellow ah interesting interesting yeah yeah in the way that they used to play around with their voices they Mm -hmm. used to make really sort of uh great hooks but quite simple hooks it reminds me a little bit of that in a a sort of updated fashion yeah yeah i mean i was thinking about like josh wink's don't laugh the you know the edited laughter track i was thinking also about like roman flugel's get get not gets noch and alter ego's rocker these tracks that took really simple but strident leads um you don't get it so much from this track as some of the other ones i mean some of the tracks on this album are really strident they're really like a, a mosquito in your brain um some of it is almost, you know, not that far off from EDM, um, except rhythmically, it's it's just way more inventive. I mean, especially because he's not doing this like straight ahead, four to the floor thing. Um, it's really kinetic and skipping and gliding, and um, 
yeah, his his drum programming is is amazing. Again, reminds me a little bit of Green Velvet, in the ah, sure, yeah, quite yeah, quite similar voice plus drums plus synth plus effects, but not all right. that much more. But all of that used in a very very clever way. Yeah, kind of getting the full amount out of out of that. Um, maybe we can listen to a little bit of party my party or i think it's just called my party that it sounds like he's singing body my body uh it doesn't really matter but the, the closing track on the album which is really just a hand clap and his voice through this vocoder and um it's just so absurd and and so funny and um like i hope someday i get to hear it out in a club because i would just burst out laughing or at your party in the best way party my party body my body yeah yeah, um, well, let's listen to a, a snippet of it. I mean, very little to add after listening to that. It really is your party. I, I like that it sounds like he's actually cracking up uh, while he's while he's beatboxing there. I, I don't want to be rude, but I kind of don't want that song to become too big because I wouldn't want to hear it too much. No, this is very if, true. If this you is know, a very good point. What I mean, and that's that's no no criticism. I just think. It kind of could be really big. It probably won't be, but it could in the right. It could be circuit. Crazy Frog twenty eighteen. Oh my good lord! Imagine <laughs> that. Like you going down the road and everyone's got that as their You're their ringtone. I'll blame you. Coalie meant and body oh, my body. Wow. I think that's uh, where we're going to have to leave that. I don't think we can go any any further. Now we've mentioned the Crazy Frog. We're just going to have to go and have a shower or something. Uh, right. In the spirit of Crazy Frog, we'll uh, we'll leave you, and uh, until next time, croak croak, and uh, see you soon. Motorcycle noise. <laughs> croak you next time. <laughs> 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 <laughs>